Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Word of God, and turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. The book of 2 Timothy and chapter number 3. We are finishing up this series of the pastoral epistles. After tonight, we'll have a little break on Wednesday night, but then we'll hit it Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and we are done with this series. So after today, only three more messages and we'll be finishing up the series, then moving on to a different series, going to the second part of the life of David. But as for now, we are finishing up as Paul is writing to his son in the faith, trying to encourage him to continue in the work, even though the apostle Paul is going to be leaving this earth soon, that he's trying to implore, beg, beseech Timothy to continue to move forward. And so we find our way into the book of 2 Timothy in chapter number 3. The book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, and notice with me as we pick it up in verse number 10. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10, the Bible says this, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came to me at Antioch and at Iconium and at Lystra, and what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, and notice with me in verse number 10 the phrase, thou hast fully known. Thou hast fully known. And with the Lord's help, we're going to see as the Apostle Paul is going back and imploring Timothy about the things that Timothy has known for the purpose of letting him continue. Thou hast fully known. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the great privilege to be in your house tonight. And we thank you for what you did this morning. And we're praying that we could still have that craving that we could see what you and you alone can do, that we cast our dependence upon you and just recognize that it must be you that, that does everything. I recognize tonight my own weakness, my own weariness, my own ailments, my limitations, and I recognize that I can do very, very little and that if I try, it's going to be pathetic and weak and anemic and that these good folks here don't deserve that. So the best I know how I surrender all these to you, that you use me as your instrument how you see fit, and asking that you would do your own work and that you would just make it alive, let it be understandable, and let us see the importance for us to continue in the things that we've been taught of. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
As we go back through history, could you imagine what it would be like to be discipled by the Apostle Paul? To think about this great apostle, this man that God used as an instrument to pen 14 books of the Bible. You think he knew a little bit of Bible? You think what it would be like to sit by the Apostle Paul and ask him questions. To ask him, to clarify, Paul, tell me a little bit more about the last things. Tell me a little bit more about the structure of the church. Tell me a little bit more about things that we're supposed to. Tell me a little bit more about the Christian life. And the Timothy was one of the people that had the great privilege to have Paul as his mentor, as his discipler. And he got to ask questions. And he got to learn at the learning tree. And now, all these years later, Paul is writing to his son of the faith, his disciple, and saying, Timothy, it's your turn now. It's done for me. I need you to continue. That I want to have that peace of mind that I've taught you well and that you've obeyed well and that when I die, you're not going to go by the wayside. You're not going to go to something else. But you're going to continue. You're going to do that. Now, with that, Timothy... Thou was fully known. You know some things in my life. And so if you don't mind, as we start this off, the thing I'd like to bring you to your attention to is the preparation to continue. The preparation to continue. Timothy was prepared to continue, and he was prepared by discipleship. Discipleship brings him to the place where he's developed the habit of obedience to Christ. And now that he's developed the habit, the natural step is to continue, to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, to, to continue with the things, the same that you've, um, <coughs> that Paul taught Timothy, the same things he's supposed to commit those to faithful men who should teach others also. That Timothy was to continue. And Timothy... In order to remind you to continue, there are some things that you saw in me that should help you continue. Notice, if you don't mind, we see this biblical list. And this is one of the most wonderful lists that we find here. Whenever you see biblical lists in the Bible, it's always important to stop and pay attention because these lists are divinely given. These lists are given for a purpose, for a reason. So notice this list. Thou has fully known. What does... Timothy fully know of Paul. Notice this. But thou has fully known my doctrine. My doctrine. The doctrine is our belief and teachings. It's the core of discipleship. The, this phrase carries the idea of conforming fully to someone else's example. So Timothy, thou has fully known my doctrine. You know what I believe and why I believe it. Thou has fully known. That word fully carries the idea of everything. There's nothing hidden. You know everything. You know everything that I believe, and you know why I believe it. And so, Timothy, there's an expectation. I taught you the content. I taught you about prayer. I taught you about the church. I taught you about Christ. I taught you about the Holy Spirit. I taught you about last things. I taught you about the church. And that I'm, you, you have fully known these things, Timothy. I've taken the time to teach you the content of my life, to teach you the content of what we believe. That was fully known. But that wasn't the only thing that Timothy had fully known. That was fully known my doctrine. But notice this, that was fully known my manner of life, my manner of life. 
You see, we understand that it's not just about information. It's not about education. It's about influence. You see, what influenced Timothy was not just what Paul taught. Remember, as teachers, we have two types of thing that we're always teaching. There is, there is <coughs> excuse me, there is purposeful information and there is passive information at all times. What do I mean by that? Well, purposeful information is things that I teach you on purpose. It's what I am attending. It's the content. But at the same time, as I'm teaching you the content, unconsciously, I'm also teaching you about how I'm teaching it, my manner of life. You watch how I live. You watch how I talk. You watch how I move and how I interact. That was fully known, my manner of life. You know, anyone can get up and sound righteous. Anyone can sound religious. But what happens when they're tired? How do they look then? What happens when they've gone through a long day? How are they then? You've known my manner of life. You know how I live my life. You've seen what it's like when it's off the pulpit. Timothy, uh, Timothy is being reminded by Paul. That was fully known my manner of life. You've seen all the aspects of it. You've been with me in the highs and lows. You've seen my lifestyle. You see how I live my life. Notice this. But thou was fully known my doctrine. Thou was fully known my manner of life. Thou was fully known my purpose. My purpose. Timothy... You know my purpose. You know what my goal is. My goal has always been God. Timothy, you know what my prayer is? That I may know him. You know that my only goal has always been to please God. You know, when you get to know people, you begin to know their purposes, their motives. Why do they exist? What do they do, the things that they do? We know that some people are purpose-driven by money. Some people are purpose-driven by their family. Some people are purpose-driven by their jobs. Paul, he was driven with purpose to please his God. Timothy, you know my purpose. You know why I exist, why I do stuff. That Paul didn't do anything that he didn't do it on purpose. It, everything he said had purpose. Everything that he did, how he treated people and how he dealt with things, always went to that one purpose of pleasing God. What is the purpose of your life? Thou was fully known my doctrine. Thou was fully known my manner of life. Thou was fully known my purpose. Thou was fully known my faith. My faith. What is this faith? Well, it's Paul's dependence on God. That Timothy got to watch Paul as he went through highs and he went through lows. He got to watch Paul when things were not working out. He watched Paul when things were working well. And he saw through it all Paul's dependence on God. You know, when you get to right beside a man of God who's learned how to walk with God or an old lady of God, a senior saint who's learned to walk with God, you could tell something about their faith. That even when things are going wrong, they have a trusted dependence on God. That, that's, that's an influence. You like to sit with those people and talk with them. Because there's something to it. Someone who's truly believing and trusting God for all the different things that are going on. Oh, there's something wonderful. So Timothy, you know, you fully know 
My faith. You've watched me trust God over and over and over. You watched how I dealt with situations by faith. You watched me as I stepped out into the unknown by faith. You've watched me that faith is not just something I say. Faith always produces action. You have fully known my faith. You have fully known, Timothy, my doctrine. You have fully known my manner of life. You have fully known my purpose. You have fully known my faith. You have fully known my long suffering. What does long suffering mean? It means you suffer long. You know, there are times that you have to deal with people. Someone said the ministry would be a lot easier if it wasn't for people. People got issues. Let me tell you something else. For those who are taught, you understand this principle. People don't get things the first time. It'd be easier if you taught something and then instantly they got it. Woohoo! You know, sometimes as a teacher, you have to teach one time, two times, three times, 15 times. And then suddenly a little light bulb goes on and you're like, come on, light, light, light. We have to suffer long with people when they don't get it. You have to deal with them. You have to suffer long with people to let them grow when they make a mistake. And, and you just sigh, take a breath and let them grow. Let them fall and let them get back up and let them make their own decisions and let them uh, lash out at you. You know something about hurting people? Hurting people hurt people. And there's sometimes in order to love on someone, you have to allow them to hurt you and not do anything back in order to get influence with them. Because hurting people hurt people. They don't mean to hurt you, but they just lash out and they have to attack someone and you're the convenient target and you could unwisely attack them back and react and now you've lost all your influence. You've lost everything. There's times you have to suffer along with people. That's part of discipleship. It's part of pouring your life into someone. You know, nothing's more hurtful than a student who doesn't get it. Nothing's more hurtful than a student who lashes back at its teacher because he's having a bad day and you endure it. Suffering long. Timothy, thou hast fully known my doctrine. Thou hast fully known my manner of life. Thou hast fully known my purpose. Thou was fully known my faith. Thou was fully known my long suffering. Thou was fully known my charity. Charity. The word charity is a type of love, but it is a type of love that God has for us. It is a love that cost me something with no hope of return. Sometimes that requires loving on people that you know is going to hurt you later on. Timothy runs up to Paul. Paul, he's going to hurt you. Why are you loving on him? Why are you doing that? He's, you know he's going to hurt you. Yeah, but what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't? But you know he is. But I got to love him just the same. Because what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't? To love on someone. To be able to buy groceries for someone that says, I'm going to see you in church. And then they never show up. To be able to go out and it cost you something to take care of someone else. And you don't say anything. And you don't get any results back. But to love on them anyways because it's the right thing to do. Because what if they listen? What if they respond properly? 
But they're not going to respond properly. But what if they do this time? That's this charity. It's not just loving on people because they're easy to love on. And by the way, there are some people that are easy to love on. You have no problems doing anything for them because they're great. It's loving on people that are hard to love on. To love on them anyways. To work with them. That's that charity. That was fully known, my charity. Notice this as it goes on. But that was fully known, my doctrine. That was fully known, my manner of life. That was fully known, my purpose. That was fully known, my faith. That was fully known, my long-suffering. That was fully known, my charity. That was fully known, my patience. My patience. You know, waiting on God is the ultimate form of worship. And it is the hardest thing for us to do because we are impatient people. We want God to answer our prayer right now. And if not right now, we would at least want him to give us a timeline, a date. And if he doesn't, we grow so frustrated. Why isn't it happening? Can you wait on God? Can you let God get things done in his own timing? Because as for God, his way is perfect. He knows the best time to get something accomplished. The best time to get it done. You all understand how many times Paul had to wait on God. Wait for God to do something. And Timothy was an eyewitness. He was there. Everywhere Paul went, uh, Timothy was there to follow. And he watched Paul wait on God. Wait on God. Wait on God. Wait on God. Wait on God over and over and over. He watched his patience towards God. He watched him as he worshiped God by allowing God to get things done in God's own timing. That was fully known, my patience. But the list is not over. It goes on to verse number 11. But thou hast fully known, now it's no longer any fun, my persecutions. That was fully known, my persecutions. You know, Timothy was an eyewitness of Paul's persecutions. Think about the book of Acts and the things that happened to Paul. Paul endured persecution at Philippi, Acts chapter 16, verses 15 through 24. You remember Philippi. That he went to Philippi and began to preach, and the people didn't like his preaching, so they arrested him, but they didn't just arrest him, they beat him. They, they, they whipped him. They scourged him. Then they put him in the deep, dark dungeon. And then at midnight, the earth shook, and they were freed. And the Philippian jailer said, "Uh uh-oh, the prisoners escaped. The Romans are going to kill me. I might as well just take my life. And as he was getting ready to stab himself, Paul said, wait, wait, we're all here. No one left. The Philippian jailer looked. Everyone could have ran, but no one ran. He ran, fell down at Paul's feet and said, said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he went and washed them, their stripes. Then (laughs) the Philippian jailer got saved. Then his household got saved. Next morning, they had to bring Paul to jail. And they said, oops, Mr. Paul, we made a mistake. We shouldn't have arrested you. We shouldn't have scourged. If you don't mind, if you could quietly just exit. He says, no, if they want me out, they could come get me out. They put me in here. Timothy was there watching that. 
Then after that, they went from Philippi to Thessalonica and Berea. In Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 14, the Jewish people followed them and tried to stir them up and chased them out of town. Then he endured mocking at Athens, Acts 17, verse 32. The people, the Greeks just laughed at him. And they pulled him aside and had a big crowd laughing at him and his doctrine until he began to talk about creation. And then they got silent. He endured opposition and persecution at Corinth, Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 12. At Ephesus, Paul was the center of a riot. A whole riot stood up in the middle of Lambo, I mean, uh, the temple of Diana, and said, Great is Diana of Ephesus. Great. And they screamed it for a couple hours. And they were ready just to, to, to get rid of everything, just riot and stampede. And they actually had to go get someone to pull him out. They were just looking for Paul. And he was in the middle of a riot. Then he went to the temple of Jerusalem. And some Jews found him, took him outside the temple, and beat him and were going to kill him if the officers of the law didn't show up. Then he was arrested, and he was in the center of another riot, Acts chapter 22. Then he was imprisoned for two years at Caesarea, Acts chapter 23. Then he spent more time in Rome on trumped-up charges. Timothy, that was fully known, my persecutions. You think Paul was persecuted? Absolutely. That was fully known, my persecutions. But not only that, that was fully known, my afflictions. Timothy, you watched everything that happened to me. Then Paul lists some cities. He says, you saw what happened to me at Antioch. You saw me at what happened at Iconium. You saw what happened to me at Lystra. Lystra is very important because that's Timothy's hometown. You remember what happened in Lystra. That the Apostle Paul, early in his ministry, went to Lystra and he began to preach. Well, people didn't like the gospel. So they took him outside of town and they put him in a big pit. And then around the pit there are huge rocks. And people took these rocks and began to throw them at the Apostle Paul. And by the way, they weren't soft water balloons. They threw the rocks with the intention to harm and to kill Paul. You could imagine a rock hitting your arm and you could feel the bone crack. Hitting across your face and the blood dripping in your eye. The rocks hitting your legs and bruises form until you could no longer stand. And they kept throwing the rocks and throwing the rocks until Paul was dead. And he was dead. His bones are broken. And Timothy was there for that. After the crowd dispersed, the Christians at Lystra came out, probably including Timothy. And they went around and said, oh man, he was a great preacher. God could have used him in his life. Oh, that's a shame. Then all of a sudden, Paul stood up. What in the world? Is he was dead. And not only dead, that even if he was not dead, which he was, he had broken bones. I meant... You don't just get up from when people throw a whole bunch of rocks at you. You just don't get up when your, your head split open and your legs broken. But he stood up, brushed himself off. God healed him. He probably had some back problems later on. That's why he had to travel with a doctor afterwards. But you know what he did? Probably something you wouldn't have done. He dusted himself off, gave me my Bible, and went back into town. What do you think if you just got through killing a guy and he walks back in town, 
healed, ready to go, and he says, I still love you. What would, you, what would your reaction be? Craziness. Timothy was there. That was fully known, my persecutions. That was fully known, my afflictions. But you want to know what Paul wraps this up? Hey, you know all the bad things that happened to me, but let me tell you something, Timothy. Notice in verse number 11, persecutions, afflictions, which came to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, and what persecutions I endured, but out of them all. The Lord delivered me. Timothy, you saw my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my charity, my long suffering. You've watched all of this and you've watched my persecutions. You've watched my afflictions. But let me tell you, out of everything I went through, God delivered me. You know, Paul is not hiding the truth from Timothy and said, hey, everything's going to be bed of roses. In fact, he's saying the opposite. Hey, man, this is a hard road. But out of it all, the Lord delivered me. Those times that I was waiting for God, the Lord delivered me. The times that people arrested me, the Lord delivered me. Hey, the times that they killed me, the Lord delivered me. And I'm in prison and they're going to kill me here? Guess what? They can't threaten me with heaven. I'm going to go see God. So Timothy, you don't quit. I understand there are going to be people that don't like you. Don't quit. God delivered me and he'll deliver you. Which brings me to a second thing. We see the preparation to continue. That Paul is telling Timothy, you've been prepared. You've been trained. You've been discipled. I poured my life into you. And so I'm preparing you to continue. You know everything. You've watched just not the doctrine, but you know my life. But we also see the persecutions for continuing. The persecution for continuing. You know, there are great promises in the Bible. Probably the greatest promise in all the Bible is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Now, you guys interact with me. Is that promise true? Is it always true? Is there any exceptions? No, as long as someone believes in God, God promised that they should not perish but have everlasting life. Aren't promises great? Promises are wonderful. Promises will always come true. So let's see a promise of God. Aren't you excited? Let's see this promise. Notice with me in verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You know, that is just as much of a promise as John 3, 16. And John 3, 16, it said, if you believe in him, that you shall never promise, uh, perish, but have everlasting life. We did our part, right? We believed in him, and now we have everlasting life. The promise here is that if you live godly, you shall promise suffer persecution. By the way, if you're not suffering persecution, there's something wrong. Just let that soak in just for a second. That's a promise. Hey, when they're kicking you in the rear, you know you got the lead. You know, if you are going to live right and do right and say right, there are some people that are not going to like your message. There are some people who are not going to like you. Get over it. Your job is not to make everyone happy. If you try to make everyone happy, you're going to be the most miserable person who ever existed. 
because you cannot do it. You only have one master, and that's Christ. And if you follow that master, there are going to be people who don't like your master, and so they're not going to like you. That's what Jesus told his disciples. By the way, what happened to Jesus? Did they give him a parade? And did they say he's the greatest ever? And did they, they just do all kinds of nice things for him? Wait, they killed him, didn't they? Why did they kill him? Because they hated him. Well, what about Paul? I mean, who wouldn't love the apostle Paul, the greatest preacher? What happened to, oh, they killed him. What happened to the 12 disciples? I mean, those are the great guys, man. They, they quit their fishing business. They, they, uh, they moved away from their parents to follow the Lord. What happened to them? Oh, wait, they all died. By the way, you are not the exception. You are not the exception. You say, well, I don't want to suffer persecution. Then say nothing, be nothing, and do nothing. But if you were going to live godly, if you're going to make God your goal, if you're going to follow after him, if you're going to seek for the power of God. Now, by the way, going back to this morning's message, if you have a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, you won't see persecution. Why does Satan need to persecute you when you're right where he wants you? But if you're going to follow God, there are going to be some people that don't like it. You just have to decide who are you trying to please. God or your co-workers. God or the Walmart parking lot attendants. God or the person whose house you're afraid to knock on. You have to choose which person are you trying to please. You cannot please them all. We should only please one. And there are people who hate God. And because you remind them of God, they will hate you. That is a promise. But don't let that promise get you to stop. Paul is not telling this to tell Timothy to stop. Timothy, it's going to be some hard life, so you might as well give up right now. No, he's saying, Timothy, I'm expecting you to continue, and there's going to be some hard times, and I expect you to continue even though there's hard times. There's going to be people that hate you. And notice verse 13, the follow-up. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Hey, the bad guys are keep growing. The people that hate God are going to increase. You're not going to have any fans with them. Keep going forward. Keep going forward. It's amazing. It's a promise. You say, but preacher, you don't have any enemies. I have a whole email folder of death threats. So if I ever die, that's where my wife's going to send me. I'm not saying that to brag or I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's reality. There are going to be people that hate you. But you have to determine now, whom are you trying to please? And if you're trying to please God, there are going to be some people who don't like you. Get over it. You're just going to have to get over it right now if you're going to follow after God. Which brings us to one last thing here. That we see the preparation to continue. We see the, per, uh, the persecution for continuing. But notice this. The expectation to continue. Now Paul is about ready to die. He has been serving in the ministry for 30 something years. He has taken young Timothy as a teenager. And he's discipled him. Timothy is now in his 30s. 
And he's pastoring the church of Ephesus. And Paul says, hey, there's a lot of people who are abandoning Christian faith. There are a lot of people who are saying they don't know me anymore. There are some people who are quit the ministry. But Timothy, don't be one of those people. I expect better of you. I trained you. I taught you. And I expect you to continue. Notice with me in verse number 14. But continue thou in the things that thou hast learned. What things did he learn? Well, doctrine, he learned Paul's doctrine, manner of life. He learned his purpose, faith, charity, patience. That's why he went through those things. You have fully known those things, but you continue in the things which thou hast learned. You have learned those things from me. You learn faith from me. You learn doctrine from me. You learn manner of life from me. You learn charity from me, patience, long-suffering from me. And you continue in those things that you've know, uh, learned and have been assured of, meaning that it's been proven to Timothy that it works. He's been has the evidence that it works, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy... I taught you. You have my name on it. Don't make me ashamed of you by you going to go do something crazy. By you joining a different church. By you training to a different Bible. He says, don't you do it. You know who taught you. You're a representation of me now, Timothy, because I taught you. You know who taught you. You know what I taught you. And you continue. Don't quit. Don't change the same things that I taught you. You keep on with those same things and things that are different are not the same. You continue, continue knowing what I taught you and knowing who taught you. You continue, you continue. Timothy, it's not going to be easy, but I expect you to continue. Timothy, they're going to kill me. But I want you to continue. Timmy, Timothy, there's going to be some people who say some bad things about you. Continue. 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 Now, why the big emphasis on this continue? Because to continue is a decision you make before you have to make it. You have to choose that I'm going to follow after God no matter what. Because if you try to make the decision in the no matter what, it's going to be hard to follow God if you didn't make the choice. If you're in the midst of a, of a trial, if you're in the midst of a persecution where people are saying, hey, are you one of those church people? You know, there's something about no matter what people accuse you of, you want to deny it. No, I'm not a church person. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, I am a church person. What are you talking about? But there's something. Don't you notice that if someone accuses you of something? Even if it's something good, we automatically deny it. Yeah. Well, if you choose to continue, then you're not making a decision when it happens. You're making a decision before it happens. Now all you have to do is say, oh, I made a decision. I'm going to keep going forward. In the midst of storms, hey, in the midst of being patient and say, God, when is this going to happen? If you haven't made a decision to continue, you might just try to short circuit and say, I quit. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to make this work myself. And then watch everything fall apart. The idea that you need to make a decision to continue that God, no matter what happens, I'm going to keep moving forward. God, if everybody turns against me, I'm going to move forward. If everything falls apart, I'm going to move forward. If my whole family threatens me, I'm going to move forward. If I end up not having any more friends, I'm going to keep moving forward. 
If I keep knocking on doors and no one comes to church, I'm going to keep going forward. Jeremiah preached for 40 years, didn't see anybody. He added to continue. Noah preached over 100 years. And nobody but his own family got, came to the service on the ark. Are they failures? Did they fail? No, they did not because they continued. They continued. What can strengthen your faith now for the long run is for you to make a decision that says, no matter what, I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue. I've been taught what the Bible says. I've been warned that people are not going to like me. But I'm going to continue because I want to please him. It's him that I have to please. It's all about God. You have to choose who is your life for. Is your life for pleasing everyone else? Or is your life for pleasing God? You need to choose to continue. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.